When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. I'd like uh, to know from Dr. Mark Siegel how it is that Keith Richards is still alive. That cadaver in formaldehyde with that spike right in his arm. He shot up every conceivable drug in the world to remain active in the Rolling Stones. Well, we have him on the line from Bayside, Queens, John. I saw him the other night at the Fox News Channel, Dr. Mark Siegel. Thanks for coming on board again, Doc. Oh, it's great to be on. By the way, I don't know the answer to that. I was going to ask the same thing about Mick Jagger, but I'll tell you what I do know. I know that since John is filling in for Sid, that he's been lifting weights. I saw him actually putting oil on his upper torso. I mean, I'm I'm a little worried about John, what he's doing here. He's going to tanning parlors. I mean, he, you're going to see John in Hollywood in the gangster movies while he's filling in for Sid. <laughs> or maybe owning a movie studio but I don't think as an actor. Listen, I, I think it's about time we buy a movie studio. <laughs> Look, all um, the great um, all the great movie studios that started were Jewish guys from the Lower East Side. That's how Hollywood got started. You're absolutely right. Yeah, well, I I think that well, that would be a got, wonderful idea. Dr. Siegel, what studio. did you want when you were growing up? What did you want to be when you grew up? A writer, always a writer. When I was ten years old. I won the Benjamin Franklin uh, essay writing contest. I was number three in the state of New York. And you ask who was number one and two. I don't know whatever went up, ended up happening to them. But I won Benjamin Franklin silver dollars. I still save them to this day. They're worth it a little bit more than they were back then. I wrote about the, the uh, frugality of Benjamin Franklin and the diligence. And he wow. was a hero of mine. You know, uh, people tried to get me to collect, to be a collector of paintings. You know, when people think you have checks appeal, that they try to sell your paintings. And I mean, I looked at some of these paintings, I couldn't believe the value, and I don't believe in the value. So you know what I ended up collecting? I what? ended up collecting $10,000 bills. I bought a $10,000 bills, and uh, it was cost me $17,000. Now, why would you buy a $10,000 bill for $17,000? Well, they're out of circulation. It's a real collector's piece. Uh, and they haven't made them in 30, 40, 50 years. And you know what they're worth now? If you go to eBay really? and ask for a $10,000 bill, there's not that many left. Uh, it's 150000 Wow. You see, now, John. But I knew what my downside was. My downside was 10000 <laughs> But here's the thing. This also explains why you bought oil companies and Gristides, because you understood people need energy, 
They need food. No matter what happens. And we're in the real estate business. They need someplace to live. <laughs> yeah, they, they need staples. They don't They don't need uh, cryptocurrency. They need staples. Well, I, I've been on Fox like you have all for the last uh, year or so, and it's scary that I've been right all along because I am in the real estate business, I am in the oil business, and I am in the food business. So I could track exactly what the heck is going on. Well, you've been very smart about what this administration has been doing to spend money they don't have and to pretend that they can fix things that they actually broke. So that's, you know, they should put give you, they should make you president, I think. Yeah, but I wasn't born here. <laughs> you, you think they can where, – where did that other guy – We've gotten that, around that before. We've gotten around that before. Yeah, and Schwarzenegger, they wanted him to be president. Now they're talking Elon Musk, president. You can't, not if you're foreign born. You can't. In fact, remember Ted Cruz, they said, you were born in Canada, you can't be president. John McCain, you were born in the Isthmus of Panama, you can't be president. But now, Doc, well, you remember, you remember, you remember Donald Trump saying that Obama was born in Africa. You, you do remember that, right? <laughs> Kenya, Indonesia, yeah. Well, he was he knocked himself out looking for the birth certificate. But speaking of certification, uh, it bothered John to no end, and it bothered me that we were told that two planes uh, departed Shanghai with uh, Chinese mainland uh, passengers and landed in Milan. And in both flights, half the Chinese passengers were COVID positive. And our government has said they are resuming flights into the United States from mainland China as of January 5th. With the uh, the only addendum on that is, is that you had to have passed a COVID test. You had to be uh, COVID negative. And I'm saying to myself, slowly we turn step by step. Are we going back to January of 2020? Well, I'm glad you teed me up on this one. Now, I've written books on fear, and I'm always saying I'm not afraid. You shouldn't be afraid. In this case, I'd say I'm afraid because I think we we have to worry about this. I remember in early February 2020, a very dear friend of mine uh, showed me some Internet photos uh, of pe- and videos of people lying in the streets in, in China. And I said, ah, that, those are gimmick photos. But then I went to Nebraska to, to our quarantine center, and I interviewed people about the 15 people that came in off the Diamond Princess, and they were worried about this virus when they first saw it, and they got me worried. Now, flash forward, it's going to be early 2023, and we don't know what's going on in China, and we never will know what's going on in China. And I don't know if this is a new variant that they're not announcing or they're hiding. I don't know if it's because they shut down the whole society. Now they're suddenly opening it up. Nobody can understand that. They didn't, the dogma of shutting it down, COVID zero made zero sense. But now what's this strategy of suddenly opening it up all of a sudden? Now everything's opened up and the thing is spreading like wildfire. Nobody vaccinated, elderly dying, younger people sick going into the hospital. And here's to your point. And yet we're flying planes into the United States. I mean, I actually applaud the CDC's policy saying you have to be tested. Uh, But the problem is your test could be negative yesterday or today and positive tomorrow. Uh, I I applaud that they're looking for secondary countries because that was the one thing the Trump ban didn't get uh, in early 2020, which was 
people fly from China to Italy and then into the United States, and the airlines do not release that information. I'm wondering, though, how Homeland Security is going to deal with it now. Are they really going to be able to get that information? But finally, and this is the most important thing, I say a travel ban. What is this? What is this tiptoeing around the problem? Well, I mean, we all agree. Right? We all agree. Yeah, Doctor Mark Siegel, I want to take you back. It was early January, twenty twenty. John Katzmatidis was interviewing Doctor Fauci. It made worldwide news. Listen to what Doctor Fauci told all of us throughout the world in January of twenty twenty, exclusively to John Katzmatidis. What do you tell the American people uh, about what's going on? Should they be scared? Uh, I don't think so. The American people should not be worried or frightened by this. It's a very, very low risk to the United States. It isn't something that the American public needs to worry about or be frightened about because we have ways of preparing, of screening, of people coming in, and we have ways of responding like we did with this one case in Seattle, Washington, who had traveled to China and brought back the infection Dr. Mark Siegel, he couldn't have been more hopelessly wrong. Within a month, the travel ban by March of 2020, a complete and total lockdown of the country. That's a shocking, shocking uh, interview there, right there. And, and January I had, uh, 25th, 2020. Unbelievable. unbelievable. And, the, of course, the, the most erroneous thing of all, perhaps, other than not being afraid of that virus, which maybe he didn't know enough about it at the time, was that somehow we were going to test and isolate people. Those tests, the first 100 test kits, 97, were faulty. We didn't have the ability to identify a virus and rapidly test for it and isolate people. We didn't have that ability, and that was a huge, huge, huge mistake. And and uh, the other point I want to make at the beginning of the pandemic, and this I fault Dr. Fauci for more, it, because this he could have known about. I, t- I interviewed him and talked to him about lockdowns, and I said, I think lockdown strategies don't work. And I gave a lot of historical examples because of the fact that people get afraid. They they don't take precautions. They break the lockdowns. And also that this was going to be a highly contagious virus that you can't lock down. And he agreed with me. But then they instituted famously or infamously the lockdowns and then extended them and extended them, causing great harm, especially school closures. So Let me uh, me ask you, doctor. I'm not a doctor, but I'm just... I just have some common sense. If there's a hundred people on the, if there's a hundred people on the airplane coming in from China, and fifty of them have COVID, and the other ones have flew f- together for twelve hours, what are the chances that the people that don't have COVID yet will get COVID? It's at least it's less than you think it is, by the way, and I'll explain that. But it's at least fifty percent. It's a tin can, isn't it? Yes. And it's not. It's not when they're in the air that's the problem. It's when you're on the runway that your air is not circulating and your HEPA filters are not working. And HEPA filters work to pretty well. They filter out viruses pretty well. But when you're on the runway, forget it. And when you're getting in and out of the plane, forget it. And the person coughing on you mid-flight, forget it. Chances are very, very high. The only thing protecting you at that point is something nobody's talked about, which is some people are actually genetically protected. Some people are protected because of prior exposures and just are not going to get this. But, but at least 50% will on that plane if 50% of the passengers already have it. Now, Doc, it's ridiculous. Doc, uh, Dr. Mark Siegel, we're getting hit with the three. I call it the trinity. Uh, you have RSV, you have COVID-19, the resumption, and you have the flu. How do you know the difference between all three? And then what do you do once you know? 
you know, I can tell the difference because I wrote books on flu and books on COVID. Haven't written a book on RSV, so I had to study that one. But basically, RSV, your nose is clogged, a lot of upper respiratory symptoms. You're blowing your nose like mad, and, and you got a scratchy throat. Flu hits you like a ton of bricks usually, where you're walking along one minute, the next minute you're laid out, you're very fatigued, you got muscle aches, you got body aches. You don't have so much of that upper respiratory congestion. You have a little bit, not a lot. You're not coughing your head off with the flu unless it's a secondary infection. And COVID actually is all of the above. So COVID, you have fever, you have you have cough, and you have uh, muscle aches. So COVID's all of the above. So, I, so COVID's the hardest one for me to differentiate. So have people test. If you get the rapid test and it's negative two or three days, I'm, more, I'm thinking more flu. So you've you got to get a doctor in the mix on this. You can't diagnose yourself because if you have flu, I'm going to want to give you Tamiflu. Thank, thank God that they finally released that from the stockpile. I wish they would release a little Tylenol or, or, uh, or Advil, but I found out they don't have that in the stockpile. What were they stockpiling, by the way, with the CARES Act? You know, they had that Coronavirus Act, $2.2 trillion, and didn't bother putting a, a, a single Tylenol in the stockpile. Well, maybe they were stockpiling. So, so somebody needs to sell this. One of the drug companies made a big drug company contribution uh, to the – uh, one of the parties, and they needed to buy some Tylenols before the end of the year when they needed to make a sales. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, you, know, you, you ever see a, a salesman, uh, the, the chief sales manager? Oh, my God, it's December 20th. I'm below my quota. Where, where can we get, sell some uh, Tylenol or wherever? St. Joseph yeah, baby that. aspirin <laughs> to the government. They'll buy it. But anyway, Mark Siegel, Dr. Mark Siegel, appreciate it. If you didn't know before, I let you know. He's Bayside's uh, finest, born and raised in Bayside, Queens. And you see him on Fox News Channel, a regular guest on the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion with John Katsimatidis and here in the mornings with Sid Rosenberg and friends. Up next, we got to talk about the guy who supposedly lived in uh, Whitestone or Bayside, George Santos, now the focus of an espionage investigation, thinking that maybe he was an agent for Putin. Oh, my God. What else is there? Anything's a possibility with this guy. Are we sure his name is even George Santos? <laughs> 